<laughs> what? Yeah, that works. That's fine. We could, could also I guess. do it again. Yeah, you want to do that again? What do, you, what do I say? I don't know. Uh, uh, do you want to just do that whole thing again with more purpose? All right. <laughs> All right. Catch you on the flip. Catch you on the flip. <laughs> All right. We'll see all of you next time oh wait how can we see it's fine it's fine it's fine (laughs) one more hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of out of phase presented by psps uh i like always am drew and i'm beto carrasco yeah i don't have a last name i guess <laughs> and we're coming full circle i think we're like just completely doubling back because now again we've got <laughs> a reoccurring guest we'd love to welcome back john hongle to the show hi john hey hi, john. we went nayeli first and then you on the second episode and then nayeli was on the last episode and now you're on this one so that means jonah's next i think jonah's next are we just gonna run back yeah completely run the full gamut again right (laughs) yeah i'm in how have you been since we last talked john because in the fiction of the podcast we haven't seen you since then well pretty good um been out of work you know like all of us isn't that fun but i've been editing this podcast every once in a while for yeah john's been Behind the scenes, making making the sausage, making the podcast sausage. Um, yeah, last time we just used my phone recording too, so this is upgraded. I know tech. upgraded wow. high fidelity audio. So, John, I don't I don't really recall um, <laughs> how in detailed our questions were. I think we're just like, "Hi, John, what do you do at PSPS?" Because we hadn't quite figured out how to do a podcast yet. So we know what you do here. You, you you are sound tech. You work towards that lead tech. You plug stuff in and you lift stuff that's heavy. Um, but like, uh, what kind of what kind of music do you listen to? What's your kind of area of the music world? Oh, I would say my interests are rather broad. I'm a classically trained violinist, so classical music has always been a big part of my musical vocabulary i guess um but i like almost everything else also i the last few years have gotten particularly into electronic music um of all kinds of sorts making it uh producing it etc nice um so what what um i guess this kind of dovetails with what you were saying but what has like brought you to come work for us. Like what, what are you, what are you hoping to get out of, you know, working in this industry and working for PSPS and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, I was just looking for some student jobs and you happened to be in my class at the time and made a little announcement about how you guys were hiring. And I had actually heard Beto talk about it before that too. So those are the first two times I heard of, Yes, yes. <laughs> We're great ambassadors, Beto. I wish I had found it earlier, honestly. Yeah, right? Because now, like, half the time I've been at PSPS has been just uh, as a... Editor. Uh, editor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't it really fun? more live sound, but that might not be possible for several years. So. Yep. Who knows? True. Several years. I don't know, no, but I, don't know. I haven't heard several years, but I, the way that I see it, since we were pretty much the first industry to stop existing, we're going to be the last one back. Yeah. 
There's just no sign of it getting better. Mm-hmm. Not quite. <laughs> so. Right, and or like the least essential service. I guess people are figuring out more creative ways to accommodate people for live sure. settings. So that right, and that's and that's great. And then we've talked a little bit about like virtual concerts and stuff on this show. Uh, it's just I think for us trying to get into that industry, like if you're already established as as uh, you know a live sound engineer or something like that, it's a little bit easier to carry on. Whereas like we're like we're trying to get into the industry right now, and that's brutal impossible impossible perhaps you you might you might add yeah um so yeah go ahead uh i I know some of the like the local kids are starting to throw shows cool it's kind of like all right yeah maybe not a good idea it's a little more complicated when it's a business and like right yeah liability is the thing yeah they're just like musicians actually want to make money Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Well, cool. Um, yeah, we're 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 lucky to have you. We're we're glad that you've been editing because <laughs> I can't imagine that sitting here and listening to Beto and I talk for several hours, like once a week or once every other week, is um, a fun time. It, it grows on you. It grows. <laughs> we become charming over time, just not right away. It's honestly like an emotional roller coaster of like wanting to punch you in the face. <laughs> Sometimes and like, but also finding funny things. Yeah. Know. Or making little edits of things. <laughs> yeah. I really wish. Okay. Here's the thing though. <laughs> if this doesn't have to actually go in the show, if whoever's editing or, or just doesn't give us the okay, but it would be great if we could showcase what you've done with that one episode and those several clips of me, um, just making, the like audio collage of me looking like a dipshit it was beautiful. That some just the, that some just the massive part. Did. I don't know um, what's um, happening. Um, 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 good on this song. Nor nor normal. Long. Yeah. Can that like long like that 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 whole that uh, that long. Here yeah. comes your long. Yeah. Um, hold that uh, that scoop. That's different for me. I'm very rarely in a situation where I feel like I don't know what's going on at all. I don't know what's happening most of the time. I want to say something like really. Where, 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 it's basically where a, have, like big boy. An example, or big like, boy, kind of like big boy, just kind of like big boy. Where, 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 where would you have? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I always do that. I take like random cuts and just put them next to each other, see how it sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make me directly contradict myself within a matter of seconds. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> Sweet. Um, yeah. So you know how this goes. I'm going to talk about a thing. You're going to talk about a thing. Beto's going to talk about a thing, and then we're going to talk about uh, what we've been listening to, and then that's the show, and then we'll be done recording. Should we be more specific? No, I don't think so. Let's just do it. <laughs> no, I mean, if you know, this is probably no one's first episode because it's probably only like three people's three people will listen to it and one of them is probably my dad um hi dad um hi dad (laughs) every episode i got to acknowledge that one of our one of our fans is my dad Um, dad. yep uh yeah i mean yeah same structure i'll talk about some some nostalgia music you're gonna talk about what are you gonna talk about john actually well on this music podcast i thought that on this music podcast i would talk about podcasting (laughs) as an art form 
because it's something I've grown more and more interested in. Yeah. Obviously, as it's seeming like a viable alternative to live sound work. Yeah. We're going to get a little meta. We're going to discuss podcasting on a podcast for all those people that were listening to this for us to have an inevitable discussion on podcasts. And then, Beto, we're going to talk a little bit later about, uh, what is it? I guess it's it's going to be like, uh, okay, I got a little theme for it, I guess. Uh, backmasking and satanic messages and the creation of the explicit label. All right. So sometimes <laughs> sometimes we end up with some weird through lines. Like last week we talked a little bit about counterculture kind of in all three of our segments. Sometimes it's like genre-based uh, through lines. Like Beto and I, I'll talk about a specific song from a genre, and then Beto will happen to talk about that genre. This week is just the most spaghetti at the wall, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Nice. Beto, are you playing with a butterfly knife? Jesus, that's intimidating. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. <laughs> here. Mine's not my a butterfly fiddle. knife. It's but... my fiddling, my fiddling thing. That's very good. Is it a is it a practice knife? No. So this week in my uh, my little nostalgia segment, we're going to talk about a song from 2011, I believe, uh, Life on the Nickel by Foster the People. Y'all are familiar with Foster the People, I think, right? Yes, uh, sir. I like the song Houdini. Houdini is also a good song. That's on this album. So this is on the album Torches, which is their 2011 release. Uh, this is also the album that Pumped Up Kicks is on, for those of you that are not, like, Foster the People fans. Um yeah, it's, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the band. Uh, the band, Foster the People, is a, a trio, like an indie pop rock band that formed in L.A. Its creative head is Mark Foster, hence Foster the People, and he, he's kind of the like driving force, front man, lead singer, that kind of guy. And uh, the two other members of the band are, are, are more um, more of a supporting role, I guess would be the way to put it. They came to prominence in about 2010 because of the song Pumped Up Kicks. It was one of those sleeper hits that just, like, kind of slowly grew over time. And it was, you know, originally on, like, a serious, like, alt-nation radio, like, satellite radio. And then eventually, like, over the course of the year, ended up on, like, pop radio stations. Um, Y'all remember, I would imagine, that summer that it was, like, really popular. I think it was, like, 2010, but it might have been 2011, and it was, like, Mm -hmm. everywhere for three months. Like, you could not avoid the song. It was, like, right when I started college at UP. Right. Yeah, I I remember that. I remember just, like, anytime you'd turn on the radio, you would hear it, and I was like, okay. It's a good song, though. I genuinely like the song, and that's part of the reason that I ended up buying the album, which I'll get to later. Um, so that, that became a really big hit. And then they, um, signed with, I think Columbia and they produced, uh, torches, which came out in 2011, um, and featured pumped up kicks, which was the second track on the album. I was reading something on Wikipedia about how they were really intentional about not wanting to rush the album because they didn't want to just like, just have an album that succeeded on the merits of their really big single. But, uh, I would argue that a lot of bad albums, popularity and a lot of their popularity is still due to that one single because they've had a couple of other hits but nothing nearly as large um torches mo was met with like generally favorable reviews although in in reading about it i noticed that a lot of prominent rock musicians like the blue the drummer for blue oyster cult uh the edge from u2 all were like this is one of my favorite albums i really like this album 
But broadly speaking, places like Pitchfork and, you know, Metacritic's rating of it are like 60s, 70s. Not not amazing, but it's not a bad album. Um, I think it's a little bit better than that, personally. Um, I think it's a really interesting album. I think it's like a cool, weird fusion of a lot of things. It has a lot of elements from a lot of different places. It's it, And it uses sounds in a really cool way that, especially in 2011, in pop was not super common. Um, and I also, I've always kind of found it cool that Foster the People is like very much a 21st century band. Like they're all, they've always been really active online and on Twitter and like they've maintained a number of playlists on Spotify for several years, like before Spotify was even really like as massive as it is now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. I've always found that cool when you can like go to Spotify and go to a band's page and they're like, look at this playlist we made. This is like an inspiration playlist for us. Like, I don't know. I think that stuff's cool. Yeah. That is uh, cool. And yeah, they, they've got a cool online presence. Um, I've always, I've always enjoyed seeing their stuff on like Twitter. I remember for their most recent album, they like did, I, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it was almost like an ARG. Like there was like all these hints online and stuff like that. And it was like, it was like a cool viral marketing thing. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about life on the nickel specifically. Um, and also just kind of the album broadly. So let's hear, uh, let's hear our, our first clip from Life on the Nickel. enjoy how i wrote down how dense this song is it has all these little like twinkling crackling popping sounds throughout it that are like seemingly not related and i don't i it doesn't seem to have a discernible rhythm to it it's just kind of like this sparkly sound throughout it like there's all these like little mechanical and electronic sounds that underscore the keys and the percussion, which are kind of the core of the song, even in like, I don't know. I don't know what you, what you, you thought about this, but I, it's cool. Cause even in the quieter parts of the song, like the, the, um, the verses, which are just vocals and percussion, there's still these like pops and crackles and sparkly sounds and stuff like that. Did you guys hear any of that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love. Yeah, the, it's like a. It's a pattern. Is I it think. a pattern? I I found it. I find it hard to find so a pattern in it. Yeah, it's a pattern of just little like blip samples. I think it's yeah. Is it like, like is it like a like a granular synth thing? Like it's modular. I think it's like modular. modular. Okay, cool. Like step sequencing. Yeah. yeah. I know that there was like, there's like a whole, like, if you're looking at the genius article for it, when it has all the credits, so like programmer for like Mark Foster and I think one of the other guys in the band or maybe the producer did like all the programming for it. It seems like Mark Foster kind of just did this one on his own because he's also the drummer for the song and they have a drummer in the band. So I don't know. He's also the keyboardist for this one. I'm just like, does your band do anything on this one or is it just you, Mark? <laughs> I think that, yeah, that, like, all the distortion... Uh, Mark Foster's voice is also, like, always distorted or doubled or something like that in some way. And it's really... 
I don't know. I think it's really cool. I, I've always found the, the the like sonic aesthetic of their music really cool. It's like very danceable in one way, but also has like really strange electronic elements to it. And that's something like throughout this entire album for the most part. But I, I really I really enjoy that. Did you have any thoughts about like the production or the, the like musicianship in this? Yeah, it's like going back to 2011 all the way back. It's hard. I think this is something that's been done a lot now, right. by now, but it's like, I don't know. That's kind of, I feel like this came at the time when that stuff was like big and has had a lot of influence by now. Yeah. Like especially in pop music, I think. And sample. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've always found their music interesting for that reason, given it's like temporal context, like where it, when it happened, because, like, I, I this is something that doesn't seem as unique in comparison to today's pop, especially when you compare it to things like like Billie Eilish's music. It isn't necessarily similar, but it's a similar amount of attention paid, paid to things like that, you know? Like, in comparison mm-hmm. to pop in 2011, which was more focused on, like, the very shiny outer exterior of a pop song and not the, like... Not not to say that the pop of 2011 didn't have a massive amount of production going into it, but it was a very different style that was being aimed for, you know. It was it was, it was being aimed at, like, we're going to make this, like, slick and polished and sound good and it's compressed well, if not too much, and that kind of a thing. Um, and I think pop is starting to get a little bit more, like, experimental. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is, like the reason that that happened. I don't know if we can attribute it to foster the people specifically, but I I think it's one of the like precursors of what we're seeing right now. I think like in opposition, I feel like this goes way, way like even more back like to like the eighties. Yeah. With like, yeah, like with like bands like New Order, like crossing from that post punk to like that like electronic. Joy Division is band. one of the song, one of the artists on their like. This is what inspires us on Spotify playlist. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, it's like good song, songs like um like Bizarre Love tri- Triangle or uh, that one's one of my favorites actually, and it's like super cheesy like uh, just like synth basses and stuff, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it started then. I think it's kind of cool. I love like just talking about like what inspired what and who is inspired by who. That's one of the things that I've always found interesting in the music world. And I know that Mark Foster has talked about being inspired by the Beach Boys several times, which makes sense in the way that he sings. Like the register that he sings in is really high, which is um, and he works in harmony quite a bit. Um, Not necessarily in the same way that Brian Wilson would, but. I can understand, like, I see that in the, in what he does in his music and the way that the Beach Boys stuff was written. But I also see things, yeah, like that, like synth stuff from the eighties. It's really clear that, that there is a lot of electronic influence in, in this pop music. I wanted to talk a little bit also about the meaning of the song. Cause it's, I think it's kind of interesting in terms of the background on the album. This album is about cohesively speaking is is about mark foster's struggles with addiction um which i think is kind of i think that's visible in in how these kind of like little tiny samples and like electronic like twinkling and stuff like that not in this song only but in other songs everything feels like noisy a lot of the time and that like it's almost stressful in some parts. Um, 
it's never not palatable. It's never not like easy to listen to, but it, it is really complex in certain ways that feel like cluttered, which I, I think maybe ties into that. Um, and this song specifically, this song has been like identified on genius and like, it seems that Mark Foster has talked about this a little bit about being about like the story of a homeless person. But I think that it can be extrapolated like wider to be a song about anyone in a difficult situation, kind of like that. Like it, it genius is like, this is a song about one specific individual and it, it feels like it's more like conceptual than that. It's like more about the emotional state of, of being in a situation like that. Like there's, there's like, there's a lot of references to like hustling people and drug abuse and, and broadly speaking, being put into a category that, that people don't see you as the same or as like important to society. And I, I, one of the things about the song that I do still really like, um, and I'll get to it later, but there, there are a lot of things about this album that I'm not as big on anymore. But I really like in this album and in this song in particular, the wording, like the word choice specifically, there are times where it feels pretty poetic. Um, and even if it's not poetic, I think that the word choice is interesting. Like the fact that they use the word, like the, the chorus is just yet again, I'm hustling, 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 like over and over and over and over. Um, and then talking about like not being able to keep the money that you get, despite the fact that you're putting in all this work to make money, um, because it keeps you keep using it on like things that you're going to abuse. Um, and and what one of my favorite lines in this song is um, in reference to the idea of like people thinking you're less important than them or less important to society is. The line "I'm a roach and they are primates" in 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 reference to like the ecosystem of being a part of a city. Um, and yeah, I, I just I think that I don't know what did do you have any what did you guys think about like the songwriting or the story that it kind of tells, if anything. <laughs> a lot of the time, I honestly was not picking up on the words. Right. Same. I was listening to the noises. That's yeah. what I think I tend to do with this album um, and Foster the People, broadly speaking, because they distort Mark Foster's vocals so much that it mm-hmm. and they put so much emphasis on like the production and the musicianship that it feels like the vocals aren't. And and to play devil's advocate, which I'm going to do more in a little bit, I don't think that broadly speaking, the vocals in Foster the People's music are the thing that's very interesting. They're usually making some very broad, not very impactful kind of diluted point. Like this, this is one of the more impactful songs on this album. And it's basically just like homeless people are mistreated. Listen to how they're mistreated and look at the struggle they go through. And it's like, okay, I don't know how, maybe in 2011 as a pop song, sure, but I, I don't know. Some some of the other songs on this album still I don't feel like have really the oomph that it's supposed to given the subject matter. Because, like you're saying, yeah, the music is the more interesting part of it. I think the vocals are pretty important to the sound. Yes. Just not maybe the words. Yeah, I think that's... Like, especially the timbre like of it, this, the highness. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like immediately the identifier for me that the band is Foster the People. Is Mark is Foster's really weird voice. Yeah. yeah, his really, really high voice. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is... 
I think that perhaps that's a better way of looking at it than than looking at it like, okay, let's look at what the song is about. That's why I don't really have that much written down about what this song is about because like this song has some cool lyrics in it and they're all of their songs do usually have some cool turns of phrase like cool word choice in it but broadly speaking the impact of the song doesn't really land i feel like and maybe it's because i've listened to the shit out of this album that i'm like i've heard it a lot um but let's let's uh let's listen to uh like a second clip of this song uh, just to get a feel of of more of that like aesthetic that we're talking about. I'm calm and feeling warm. Now I'm sticking out my hands. Now it's time for me to play devil's advocate. <laughs> now it's time for me to kind of dunk on Foster the People. Um, I like them, but I also don't. Wow. <laughs> I like their music. I'm not saying I dislike them. I'll, I'll explain. <laughs> I don't necessarily think they're like a great band. They're not, they're not fascinating. I think that they make good music, like good listenable music, but I, I kind of feel like Mark Foster is a douche, to be honest. Like I just was watching a clip. I was okay. So I was on genius and I was looking at what like the meaning of the song is. And there's, you know, sometimes those sections about like, what has the artist said the meaning of this song is right. And there was someone who had transcribed something and linked a video. And I watched this video and he was talking about what life on the nickel is about and the way he described it. And I tried to describe it in a far better light because I think that the way he described it is shitty because the way he described it was basically I live in a place where I see a lot of homeless people and this song is kind of about the dichotomy of these people are living in this really humble situation, but they sometimes have really big egos. And I was like, ooh, this is a weird criticism of homeless people, Mark Foster. And he went on to say something along the lines of like, Oh, I'd offer them food and they'd be like, like I give them like, uh, like mango chicken and rice and they'd be like, I don't like mango. Get that out of my face. And I was like, this is a weird, like, I don't get that from the song. I don't get like in listening to the song and reading the lyrics, a criticism of homeless people and having an ego. That's not what I get. I see someone struggling in a position that they're in. And so, <laughs> I, to be fair, this is an interview from 2011 when this album had just come out when they were at the height of their popularity after being nobody for a long time. So maybe kind of leaning into it and not really having a lot of media coaching. But still, it feels weird. I didn't really like the way that he described that. I felt like it was kind of a weird thing, way to describe a song. And I don't really see what he said as present in the song. But... Torches was one of the first, if not the first album that I like bought and had like, that was my album. And I listened to the shit out of, um, I basically like, I liked pumped up kicks when I was in middle school and I had an iTunes gift card and an iPod nano that I had gotten for Christmas. And so like I bought it and it was one of the only, um, full albums that I had on that. Cause I hadn't really like developed a really big taste in music. Right. Like I was mainly had like, 
like a John Mellencamp single, or I definitely had All Star by Smash Mouth on there somewhere. But it was mainly just like single songs because uh, I hadn't really gotten into the concept of an album, you know. So I, I th- that being the case, this was an album that I listened to a lot in the early 2010s. And I think that like, I, so it stuck with me because of that, right? Like I, I spent a lot of time listening to this while driving places with my family or going on vacation or whatever. I think that part of the reason that I really love this album is that it was influenced by stuff I was familiar with. I talked about the Beach Boys a little bit earlier and um, I was familiar with that and I could see that in this music. And it also helped kind of shape what I enjoy now. Um, I've always had kind of a soft spot for that like danceable, chill, indie pop kind of sound. I really like that. I really like that aesthetic. Um, but I, in terms of, in terms of nostalgia, I have these two really like crystallized memories that I associate with this album other than broadly being like, ah, I really liked this album. I've listened to it a lot. I, one time with well, the first one is that, um, when I was young, my family took a vacation to Hawaii, and I remember listening to this album on the plane as we were landing in, like, Honolulu or wherever. And I remember listening to it a lot while we were driving around, and this, like, really, like, bright, danceable, interesting album, I feel like that aesthetic meshed really well with, like, the visual element of being in Hawaii, in my mind, for some reason, and I, it kind of is where this, like, I don't know, I don't know if this is a common experience. I would imagine that it probably is, but this, like, enjoyment in kind of soundtracking your life, you know, like, like, this, like, I, oh, this song is like, I'm really feeling this right now. It feels like I'm in a movie about me. Like, I, I, it's, it's, I think this, like, just inherently vain part about a lot of people who do this, which is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but like, I know that I do this a lot where I'll be like driving and I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to put on this, like, I don't know, this like Kaleo song. And I feel really cool. Cause it's a cool song and I'm driving my cool beat up car. Like, I don't know. I, it's, I, I think that this is kind of where that was born is just like finding out that this aesthetic of this music and the aesthetic of this beautiful place that I was in kind of meshed really well together. Um, and I always will just have this like really strong memory of, of um like landing in the airport and seeing this beautiful island and um listening to like cool music i i don't know what it is about that that stuck so hard in my mind but then this other weird memory that i have associated with this album is um i i for some reason the track houdini wouldn't play like would not play properly on my ipod I don't know why like i i would get like a minute in and it would stop playing and it would skip to the next song oh yeah I remember that there would just be like okay, so yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm not crazy. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think the file was probably corrupted because it was only ever that song. I never had that happen with any other song, and I, I, (laughs) I'm gonna be indicted. Um, No, I'm not. I uh, basically what I ended up doing because I was like, I've never heard this song all the way through, and it sounds like a good song, and it is. It's really catchy. Um, I like went in there and like i like basically spliced in a pirated copy of that song into the album and it was like what started me getting really good at like 
either like ripping stuff from a CD and making a copy and like getting really into the metadata in iTunes and like making everything look legit and putting the album art in there and everything, which I did for like years and years just, just to put stuff on like my iPod or like burn a copy of a CD and make it look like in terms of the album art and everything, like make it look legit. I got really good at that. I don't know why this is like where I started doing that (laughs) just to like get Houdini in there and like be able to see it. And listen to the whole song. Overall, I think the album is like cool. I think it's a, I think it's fun. I think it's really listenable. I think that it has like really cool elements to it. And I, I come back to it frequently. I just, I, the reason I wanted to talk about it is cause like I have this big playlist of music that reminds me of summer cause music feels really seasonal to me. And it was nice the other day and I was listening to it while driving. And one of the songs on this album came up and I was like, shit, I want to listen to torches. So. I think it's cool and I like it, but I think that it appeals emotionally more to me at 13 than me at 21. You know, I, I think that the band succeeds in creating this like really cool, listenable, interesting aesthetic, like genuinely interesting to listen to genuinely like a cool thing to experience, but it feels like it falls flat on the like meaning behind all of it. And this has been something that I've noticed in Foster the People's music, too. Like, their most recent album, Mark Foster was talking about, like, oh, this is, like, in a response to all the, like, the war and the elections and all the hate and racism in the world. And it's just, I just want to give everyone a big hug. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. That doesn't feel like a very good, I don't know, like... Garbage take. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think of Coney 2012. Yeah, right. Like, it feels... Or some type of vibe. It feels like Mark Foster maybe just isn't a great writer. Like, he doesn't... Isn't, like... he. I've never heard a Foster the People song and been like, wow, that's a really good take on this issue. And I think where they exceed... Or succeed, I should say, is where they write songs about something personal. Like the songs that are just about his problems with addiction in this album are really good. I think they're I think they're genuinely impactful because I feel like I'm in less of a good place to be able to be like, oh, this is a bad song about your personal experience, you know? Like maybe a bad take about homeless people, but like the songs that are about you struggling with abuse uh, or drug abuse, like sure, yeah, that's not bad. I don't think it's bad. But despite the fact that they don't they don't have the best ability to cultivate like a super dense meaning, despite the fact that they try this album will always just stand out to me just simply because of how much I listen to it in a really formative part of my life. I think it's a cool album. I think you should go listen to it. It's definitely like of its time. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about life on the nickel and torches by foster the people. All right. We're calling out Mark Foster for his shit. Now there's going to be a little bit of music, and then... Yeah, now there's a transition. Beto's going to come in with the... Now we're passing it on to John, and he's here to talk to us about podcasting. Preach to us, John. Preach to us, John. (laughs) Do it. Preach to us, John. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. um, I wanted to get in a little bit at the beginning about the history of podcasts, but I think... First, I want to hear what your guys' experience with podcasts is. Beto, you should go first because I just talked for 20 minutes. Uh, podcasting is funny. Do you listen to any? It's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I listen to it uh, when I go to the beach for some reason. Huh. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, like on long I listen, drives. Yeah, I listen to like I listen to the TED Talk ones. Nice, the TED Radio yeah, Hour, like the ones about That's like my favorite yeah. about like family and like love and stuff, because it's kind of interesting to me the sociology stuff. I I fell into listening to podcasts because I listen to probably like five or six of them pretty regularly, but they are pre- no, I, I don't listen to a podcast that is not some way tangentially related to this one specific family of people who have branched out to do a bunch of podcasts. If you, really? yeah, um, there's, there's, uh, it started with this, uh, these three brothers, uh, that are, they're the McElroy brothers. If anyone's familiar with them and has listened to this podcast ever, I'm sure you can tell my influence from them. Um, these three guys started doing a comedy advice podcast where they would take, uh, advice from their audience and like give or sorry take questions from the audience and give like stupid funny advice and they've been doing it for 10 years and uh they also used to work at polygon um the video game journalism site if you're familiar with it um mm. kind of like kotaku um ign a little bit smaller though um and i had a friend introduce me to them and you know the, these three brothers have gone from doing this one podcast to doing like each one of the three now does a podcast with their wife on various topics, and they all do a podcast together with their dad where they play D&D. Um, nice. And Is that uh, My Brother, My Brother, My Brother, brother, brother and, and me. me? Yeah, and so I listen yeah. to uh, pretty much their whole, like, sorry, not all of them, because there are some that I'm just not really into the topic of, but... You know, it's kind of cool it's like wide-ranging there's like an advice podcast and one of them is a medical history podcast which i really like um one of my favorite ones personally is um one of them does a podcast with their wife called wonderful which they just talk about things that they're really enthusiastic about like what they've been into recently and i, I it's just really wholesome and like i don't know i i really like their brand um it's what has made me want to do podcast and uh kind of what's inspired me to talk about things the way that I do and try to, you know, still see humor and things and also do like talk about things critically when it's relevant. So yeah. Um, I've been listening to them for like two or three years. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, the podcast obviously at its core is not a new idea. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could like, it's just listening to someone talk, it goes back as long as there's been language like storytellers. Um, and then in a recorded media, it's basically like, it's basically radio, but transformed by the, the way that streaming services have altered, like the whole access to audio right. issue. Um, but they really grew into the scene, I guess around 2005 when, Apple added podcasts to iTunes. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that, but that does make sense. Yeah. And actually the term podcast had been a name before it was like associated with the iPod, but it was just kind of a, a lucky Oh, okay. Well, I okay. Guess. So where does that name come from then? The word podcast? Yeah, the word podcast was suggested by journalist Ben Hammersley um, as a term for, like, automatic download. Huh. Basically. Interesting. But it, it was it underwent several transformations since then that you can read about on Wikipedia. <laughs> John presents the podcast Wikipedia article. 
Yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, there's right. a, a lot of history and there's a lot of podcasts. I think there's 600,000 podcasts or something like wow. that. Wow. We're included in that. This is one of them. It's insane. It's so many. And at the end of 2019, Spotify bought Gimlet Media, which was like the, the founder of Gimlet, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, was coined sort of like the man who launched a thousand podcasts. Wow. Is Gimlet a podcast network? Yeah, pretty much. It was like, uh, yeah, basically. Interesting. It's hard to pin sure. down. Sure, but yeah. It was like an association of like thousands of podcasts, right, yeah. basically. That's that more or less what I'm asking. Funded, yeah. funded in part by the collaborative and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, since then podcasts have pretty much just grown and grown to be something that seems to be like the future of the sort of like talk media mm-hmm. over radio and even any radio shows are kind of like basically transforming into podcasts. Okay. Um, some of the most famous podcasts, I guess are, Serial is the number one. 420 million total downloads. 420 million? As of December 2018, so it's many millions more now. Wow. And that's... Yeah, it's like... I don't think I've actually listened to an episode of Serial, but I think it's like like a re- investigative journalism. Yeah, every season is a thing. different like investigative journalism topic, to my understanding. Yeah, exactly. So it, and then one podcast that I used to listen to a lot was called Lore, and Lore was like basically these like spooky stories that like were somewhat historical. Like they would, it would be like a spooky story about this abandoned like mine somewhere, and it would like have like I don't know unsolved mystery kind of vibes to it. But those kind of podcasts, I think, really draw from the history of like, like really old radio shows, like the old detective right. shows and stuff like that, where it would be like, not only is it just someone talking, but it's like there's an atmosphere being provided by like sound effects and underscoring, like musical underscoring. And in the just one serial episode I put on, I heard like they actually had recordings of like in the field recordings, like as if they were a news reporter, like on the scene somewhere. And I was like, wow, like it's really just expanded the, the tools that people are using to just expand upon this medium. Yeah. I'm wondering, I, I don't know. I feel like in the last two or three years, podcasts have become like a, a no, like not a normal thing because i think they've always been like normal to some extent but they've become like an expected thing for a lot of for most people under like i don't know if like 50 ish like my parents are both around 50 and they they listen to podcasts and that yeah. baffled me not that they'd like seem like people who would never do that but i was just like i thought this was a thing that like mostly people in their like 20s were listening to or like millennials were listening to but it's like seems like a very 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 widespread phenomenon within the last couple of years yeah it's just pervaded into everywhere i think there's definitely like old people podcasts right. you know 
It's just become a medium. I mean, even so, if we had started doing that, like we're a college sound engineering group and we just started doing mm-hmm. a podcast for various reasons, yeah. right? And if this had happened five years ago and I was telling people that I know, oh, I'm hosting a podcast now, they'd probably be like, okay, cool, I guess. Like, what? what is that? What's that about? What are you doing? <laughs> but when I tell people that now, they're not like, oh, yeah, that's pretty fucking – but they're like, that's cool. Like, I know what that is and I know what you're doing and that's like – I understand. Mm-hmm. It's not a mm-hmm. new concept for me to grasp, right? It's not like this like weird cutting edge millennial Gen Z thing. It's like a widely known thing that's like super accessible. The things that help podcasts really launch off versus like your standard radio show is that people seek out a podcast based on their interests. So you see lots of podcasts that are just may not even have large audiences, but they serve a purpose for a community that eventually like right pay, pays back the effort of the podcast. Well, it's even even if it's not just being listened to. Right, it's like so accessible, you know? Like it's not you're not bound by like where you are geographically like you would be with radio. Yeah. I've for example, I am a fan of like League of Legends esports mm-hmm. and there's like several podcasts I listen to every week that is just like based on like news and stuff for that yeah so it's a great medium for people who just have some weird like niche (laughs) hobby i don't know if league of legends esports is a weird niche hobby at this point though to be fair but compared to like a football podcast it's not something you would have expected to you know be on a radio well yeah that's true yeah have you guys ever listened to Joe Rogan? No. Yeah. I've podcast. seen clips of Joe I've Rogan and Joe Rogan is, he seems interesting. I've seen him yeah. smoke weed with Elon Musk. Yeah, me too. God, that made me yeah. so fucking mad too. Why? Because Why? Tesla as a company, and to be fair, it is a company across several states in the US, but you can get fired for testing positive to having smoked weed. Oh, that's shitty. I mean, you're operating. Sure, 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 sure. But I mean, like (laughs) within the last month or whatever the fuck, like if it's something that has been in your system, not like if you are high on the job, I'm saying like if you have in the past smoked weed and it shows up on a drug test, you can get fired from Tesla. But Elon Musk, I'd be salty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is it is difficult though with weed because right, 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 it's right, impossible right. to test whether or not you are high, so it's just it's like, in your system. Well, we well and also like operating it is federally illegal, so. but also my point is that I don't like Elon Musk. It has nothing to do with Joe Rogan. Yeah. I watched his uh Bernie Sanders one. I thought that was a really that was really cool. Like it was a lot longer sort of experience with bernie sanders than you get just through like 15 second clips or whatever in a debate or something like that so i think that's it's a good news medium too for that reason like you can really get a deep dive into something that's not meant to be palatable to everyone it's just like right you're already assuming that you're here because you're a fucking nerd about what we're talking about (laughs) so we don't have to make it yeah we don't have to make it all bells and whistles. I, I've right? always really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. I, one of my favorite things uh, about listening to my brother, my brother, my brother, and me is that they'll every now, every now and then they'll have what they call a guest spurt, which is like they'll have a guest on the show to help answer questions. And one of the people who has been on, 
actually that's not true i think he's only been on once but has been like involved in their stuff is lin-manuel miranda the guy who wrote hamilton because they're just friends with him because he likes that he's always like their podcast and then as like like there's a bunch of my brother my brother and me references in hamilton for example um so he was on a, one of their shows recently, and like they talked about how they would kill Mario. Uh, just a really like a random thing to see, like like Lin Manuel Miranda, very very famous person right now, or like Jimmy Buffett, the country singer, like random people on this podcast to like see in a different environment. I, I've always found that really cool. So I think sort of the last thing I wanted to get into. And it's not so much a presentation as much as conjecture, but about the future of podcasts, because I don't think they're done growing. I think like the amount of investment we're seeing from like Spotify is the most notable example, um, buying GameLab for $230 million. And I wish I could remember, but they made a huge deal with Joe Rogan to have his podcast exclusively on Spotify. Yeah, it was like several million dollars, I think. I think it was like a ridiculous amount of millions. Of Spotify dollars. is also producing a lot of like cool originals too. They did a like mini series podcast about the history of the clash, which was really cool that I didn't finish, but it was pretty cool. And it was hosted by, uh, Chuck D I think from public enemy that might be wrong, but I think it's him. But yeah. I, Spotify is doing a lot right now. And I think there's a lot of room for perhaps like, a level of experimental growth like that's been seen in you know music for example just as an art form like i could imagine some like sound art podcasts or whatever that might come out of like the sam program or something <laughs> like that where it's like it's not just someone talking but it could be like yeah, like for, it's know, just like, it's just a pure tone. It's just like seventy five hertz for <laughs> one of the. It's pretentious. I think that one of the places where podcasts are, <laughs> yeah, that would be that's some stupid shit. Um, one of the places where I feel like I've seen podcasts podcasts grow the most in the last like few years is in what are called actual play podcasts, which is this whole genre of podcasts where people sit down and play, usually like Dungeons and Dragons, but. Other yeah. games similar to that, other tabletop RPGs, um, and they've gone from being this like, we're just going to sit down and we're just you're just going to hear us like talk and play the game to like there is like a significant amount that goes into the writing of the story first of all, and a significant mm-hmm. amount of effort on the players' parts. Usually, there's like a lot of uh, leaning into voice acting and character work, and on a technical side, the one that I listen to, the Adventure Zone, has like incorporated like music for the last several years like they've been writing awesome. music to fit the tone like right like the the last like story that they did had a full theme song was completely scored had like sound effect work like like the the like big bad evil guy at the end had this like massive like modulated sound when when the dm was speaking for the character it was it, it's it's one of the places where there's been the most like theatrical innovation like the most effort put into the like storytelling i think of a podcast yeah that's really cool i think that a lot of people find it really accessible to get into as a producer of a podcast too because i mean essentially all you need is a way to record right voice and then you can right 
splice it together for free in GarageBand. Right. You can, I mean, and Anchor, which is what we use to distribute, offers like a pretty mm-hmm. basic editing tool. Like distributing a podcast, even if you don't understand how RSS feeds work, is really easy now because there are things like Anchor or ones that you can get a little bit more service for. Um, I shouldn't shit on Anchor. They're publishing this for us for free. <laughs> um, I'm not shitting on Anchor, but there are other <laughs> ones that you can pay more for. I'll cut you that can, out. you can pay. Yeah, please. <laughs> Not that they're, I don't know if they listen to these things. I don't think they do. No, There's no way they do, right? But, you know, there are things like Anchor, which will, which will be a publishing hub for you for free completely. Um, and uh-huh. they can even, we don't do it because I don't know how that would work out with like us being owned by a university and stuff like that, but we could potentially be doing ad reads through Anchor. And making money yeah. off of this easily. And there are other services that you can pay for that, that do distribution and editing and stuff like that as well. And like recording mm-hmm. a podcast, like you could record a podcast conceivably on your phone if you're in a quiet enough room, or you could buy a fucking seventy dollar microphone on Amazon mm-hmm. and do that. That's what I've been doing. It's like, it's, it's easy. It's interesting. Yeah, it's like it, it's really infinitely more accessible than even making music. Yeah, like like any group. I feel like any. I've heard my own group of friends just like so many times be like, yeah, we should just do a podcast, hang out and make a podcast or whatever. We never did it, but it's something you hear all the time and it's actually pretty easy to do. Yeah. I want to know. Okay. Here's the hardest part though. The hardest part of doing a podcast is coming up with an idea for a podcast. So I am very curious off the top of your head, what you would do a podcast about. (laughs) <laughs> this is our fun little ARG. <laughs> you can play along at home too. You can you can tell us what you would want to do. Here, audience, what would you want to do a podcast about? And then we leave a silent space. Oh man, that. that's cool. Good job, audience. <laughs> <laughs> Go you. Okay, if I was gonna do a podcast, it would be on synthesizers. If I was gonna do a podcast coming from people on a podcast is very good. Yeah. And do a podcast on synthesizers. Nice. Yeah. Like on, on repairing them and just like cool little things. You can do like an ASMR. Easy easy programming. Nice. What about you, John? I would do a, I don't know, a book review. No. A book review (laughs) is a book club. (laughs) Uh, I would just talk about esports. e-sports. I think e-sports. I think that CLG. I would probably do something along those lines. I've like I love talking about video games, but like I have no way of making that into something that I could do as a job. Like I don't. Ha- I would love to work in like a video game journalism environment, but I don't have a journalism degree and I don't know anything about journalism. But like I think it would be cool to talk about like sound in games like that's what we talked about when you were on on the show the first time Mm -hmm. john and like i really enjoyed talking about that i I thought it would be really cool to like break down a game sound design in an episode yeah there are several i would imagine podcasts that do that it's a shame that's the thing about coming up with a podcast uh like theme is that it's already been done yeah i think Personally, I think the idea matters a lot less than the execution. Right, like, and, the, and the personality. Every, you know, I'm sure Serial wasn't the first podcast to have that idea. They're just nailed Well, Serial was the know? first podcast, if you didn't know, so. 
It was the first podcast. Um, yeah, there's definitely another podcast that's definitely called Out of Phase, and there's probably definitely another podcast of college students talking about music that they like or is interesting in some way. And that's right. fine. Because we do it better. It's totally right? okay. <laughs> there's plenty of people for all the podcasts to share. That's true. Listens of. Yeah. Yeah, because there's not enough music podcasts out there. Beto, it's time. The time has come, Beto. It's your time to shine and tell us about satanic records played backwards or whatever the fuck. <laughs> this is the most yeah, unpalatable totally. to our older audience <laughs> so, that we have. Yeah. So, don't. all right. You ever, you ever have nothing to do one day and you decide, hey, I have a record player. What if I play my record backwards yeah no i have that i do that all the time I, when i get bored <laughs> how do you even do that how do you yeah. do that yeah you would have to modify I the record like, player right it's like this like technique um that's like what the beatles would do in like songs uh like like in like the revolver album like tomorrow never knows and stuff um it's called like back something back recording back winding i forget what it is gotcha um, but it's like it's like it's just like a recording technique, right? So I guess that in the eighties, um, you know, we had like <laughs> I was just like watching or like studying a little bit about it, and it just looked like the Karens of the eighties that were like, yeah, my son, <laughs> yeah, just like, but no, like it was like the these Karens ladies and like, yeah, no, it was straight up, That's straight up, a title. like it, I for, yeah, they were called like the parents something like union or whatever, and they like talked to the Senate about like subliminal messages and and rock concern, and roll concerned concern parents Christian parents against They're, like playing like, records backwards. Against, yeah. yeah, there was like the Green Day song. They were like. Something about like is it a Green Day song that they're like oh she was like masturbating in like a hotel lobby something something I don't she's know like, why is my, why is my daughter listening to this? Uh, okay it's just I just I just remember that Green Day song <laughs> anyway anyway oh I um, know what you're talking about I just remembered that I think really? yeah, yeah it had something to do yeah. with like it, it changed how uh, how explicit records worked right. Something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. They're just saying, like, it was, like, the creation of, like, the explicit label things. Right. Yeah. Um, but, like, part of the argument was, like, like during this time, like, there's this, like, I think it was, like, tel- what is it? What, what's the word? Like, tel- tel-evangel- like the televangelist. Televangelist. Tele- yeah, televangelist. Oh. Yeah. So there's, like, some popular ones Fuck that were, guys. like, yeah, straight up. And they got up, they got up on, like, their talk shows, and they were, like, listen... We're like, listen to this Led Zeppelin album. All right. Listen to this song. Stay way to heaven. It may start and it sounds pretty, but wait till I, but wait. Now, now listen. <laughs> now that I rewind it. it's got the word heaven in it. No, 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 no. So listen, listen to this clip and tell me what you hear. I'm 
All right, now. All right, so think about what you heard and tell me, tell me if you heard, oh, here's to my sweet Satan. That's it. I Led heard Zeppelin. that. I definitely Satanic. heard that. <laughs> Confirmed Satanists. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was super funny. Um, no, but I guess like people were taking that like seriously, man. Like, I, guess, I remember hearing about yeah. that in like middle school. Like, yeah, if, yeah. If you play this thing backwards, backwards. it's like Satan. It says "Hail Satan, six six six. But it was yeah. like it was like something that made it cool, not like a bad right. Thing. I don't know. Nah, I, I would I would hear that. I would hear both. I would hear like definitely that like like rock and roll was like from the devil. I mean, it's been associated with it since like. It was the blues. Since it was right? associated with black people. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Cool. It's, it's kind of racism. Yeah. There you go. And, and so I don't know. It's, it's not surprising. I think it like, it's also part of that mythology of how like rock stars sell their soul to the devil and shit. Yeah. It's like, um, oh my God. Why don't I, why, why am I forgetting his name? Like Crossroads, like the guy who, who wrote oh, Crossroads. Um, Ro- Robert, Robert something. Who's that? Bluesman Ro- Robert Johnson. Hey, have you ever heard the heard the old folk story of Robert Johnson who couldn't really play the guitar, and then he uh, supposedly sold his soul to the devil, and then he came back to the same blues joint and a year later and can play the guitar better than any of the master guitarists in the area. Yeah, they, he like he, met him at the crossroads. Yeah, there's this whole documentary series about it that his like personality changed, like he became angry. It's like the it's just it's 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 a recapitulation of the the story of Faust selling his soul for knowledge, I think, or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So, would you sell your soul for rock and roll? <laughs> That's a real yes. question. Is, yes, sir. This is our other. I'm sorry. Are you asking me if I was in the position of Robert Johnson? If I would sell my soul to get better at guitar? Uh, yeah, for fame and fortune. For fame and fortune. Well, I guess I don't know about fortune, but I guess yeah. Like, he, I think he. I didn't make really that much good. money. To be really for the good. flex for the for the flex. <laughs> I think you need to re- you know if someone's offering to buy my soul, I'm all of a sudden like, wait, is my soul something like valuable now? Like that makes me start to think maybe I shouldn't make this deal if something if someone's just offering it to me. You know, okay, maybe maybe they ask, maybe they don't ask for your soul, maybe they ask for something else. You know, well, would you make a deal? Would you make a deal with the devil to get good at a skill? If it was like getting really good at first person shooters, yeah, I would. And they were like, but we need Yeah, your, if, if it was like you But I want your I want your toe. I want your foot toe. <laughs> yeah, no. Your if, big toe. Okay, no. If for real though, if the if, <laughs> if the devil was like, I want your big toe so you can get better at Titanfall, I would do it. Without a it fucking would, doubt. If I could get those those You just become like a counter strike pro <laughs> overnight. You can make a lot of money off that. Yeah, no, if I could hit but those you have to trade away your if legs. I could, if I could hit those Kraber <laughs> quick shots, mm, yeah, I would sell pretty much anything for that. Oh man. This is all. I feel that. I mean, that's how I play like rogue, like rogue games. I always do the sacrifices. Yeah, for the punishment, yeah. you get you get the buff. Did you play? You the... Did you play Dead Cells, Beto? Yeah, I have. It. Yeah, it's a good one. I never do that shit. I always don't do the the, the cursed chest. I'm like, fuck that. The I'm gonna die. Chest, yeah. Higher risk, higher reward. All right, who likes the electric light orchestra? I didn't know ELO was a part of this story. All right, so if you listen to El Dorado, 
by the Electrical Orchestra, and you play it backwards at uh, a certain point, you'll hear some very, very spooky subliminal stuff. It's a ghost. Well. It's a, so now I'm like, I don't know. I'm starting to believe the hype. Here, listen to this. So, all right, tell me, think, think for yourself, what did you hear? Did you hear, he is the nasty one, Christ, your infernal? The way it is said, we're dead, man, everyone. Who has the mark? Hey, just to clarify the because... beginning of that sentence, there was it. He was. He is the nasty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's what. He that's is what the nasty one. He is the nasty one. The devil is the nasty one. No, I don't know. It's just. It's just like. It's just funny. I don't know. It's just. I guess it could be spooky if you were like. If you bought into it. Yeah, if you bought into it and you were like, if you go on like the YouTube comments, they're like, like I watched like a Coca Cola one and they were like, the devil is in the Coca Cola label. And then they're like twisting like the letters to like make like a devil image. Have you seen that? that? Here's my question. Here's my question. How would Led Zeppelin or Electric Light Orchestra go about making something that sounds a certain way backwards? Because you can do it, you just say it backwards intentionally. So like you would you would record um a message backwards or something. Okay, no. Okay, say something backwards and then when I edit this I can actually say Oh, that would be it, cool. Okay, okay, it, hold on. We'll Let's sit down and break out the syllables uh real quick. No, 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 but they also do it like so like you know how I said like he is the nasty one. So they would record he is the nasty one and then they would record that backwards in the tape machine. So when they played it oh, forward it would say in it. Yeah, and then it would say the intentional one. But ones. the thing is, is it never actually But then sounds... it would sound like shit when it's going forward, right? Yeah, it would but sound unless weird. it was on purpose or something, so you know? The... That would take so much work. Yeah, right, to embed, <laughs> like, a <laughs> message that... that hmm. <laughs> yeah, like... So this is the thing about this, is this was, like, a... Like, a, like, a, a like Christian families in, in the eighties that I, I'm not saying like Christian families, broadly speaking, were concerned with this because that's ridiculous to assume, but the two Christian families or people who were just, <laughs> I would go with people who were Christian, but were also just dumb and had that had nothing to do with them being religious. Um, it was like suburban kids. Sure. Right. Like people who were concerned about what their, what their kids were listening to. Right. But if you think about it, Right. Not only, not only, John, is your point completely relevant, that that is so much work to record a very short message about, I don't know, the devil or whatever, the nasty one. But it also means that in order to access that very brief message about the devil, you have to fucking reconfigure your record player. You Mm -hmm. have to do something to make the motor turn the other way, I would imagine. But the but the but the theory is that like your brain somehow is able to like 
listen to it backwards in your oh, head. Oh, yeah. So you get like the subliminal so messages. Subliminally, of the message. you hey, get converted to Satanism. That's Satanism, crazy. Yeah. That's that explains. Crazy. That explains the pentagrams on my wall now. I oh yeah, it's, that's it's why I've been. That's why I've been waking up of in the course. middle of the night and turning my head all the way around and projectile vomiting. <laughs> that explains <laughs> yeah. it. It's because I listened to Led Zeppelin. It's because I listened to Led Zeppelin is the one that I knew about. Electric Light Orchestra kind of fucking baffles me. I, you heard there's also their Kanye's music. Mercy. Kanye's Mercy is another one. Kanye is yeah. so Wasn't there some religious. Beatles song? I think yeah. so. Yeah, Re- like Revolution 9, but that's like Paul is dead. That's the theory that Paul is actually dead. And Sgt. Pepper's album is actually a, a funeral and Paul is there. And, and Paul wasn't wearing shoes in the Abbey Road one because he's he's dead. Right, because dead and, people don't wear and, shoes. And, yeah. As so, we all know. I don't know. <laughs> this is insane. But yeah, it is, a, it is a creepy one. I, there, I, I'm not at all surprised that we couldn't get through this segment without just laughing incessantly. This is well, it's it's funny. so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. The amount of effort that one would have to go to for this. I, 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 and, and even then, here's the thing that I still don't understand. Do you have any idea, Beto, how they actually managed to play a record backwards? Yeah, um, I, I told you it's like this. Not not the recording of it, but like in you like go and you buy the ELO album. How do you play it backwards on your record player? Well, like I don't know, but you could just do it with, like on Studio One. You would just like, right in uh, the eighties on it. Studio One. Uh, no, but yeah, yeah, because you would just. Uh, I'm assuming there was a backwards button on the freaking on the freaking record player. I don't think that's that hard. You just make the record spin the other way. I don't know enough about, okay. So, so I don't know enough about record players and how or like, or if it was a tape player, maybe a tape player makes more that. sense. Yeah. Or you yeah. probably, you know what you could probably do is you could probably just push the record the other way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Just duh. push the record in reverse. Easy, right. Yeah. It would probably damage yeah. the record, but yeah. Wow, we sound like the biggest like Gen Z millennial. Like, I don't know how a record player works. How, how does it do? I own one, though, is the I mean, thing. Like, I own records in a record player, and I don't know how you would uh, manage to do that, because I've used a record player, and I'm like, there's no backwards Straight button. up. Straight up. But basically, yeah. Um, th- I don't know. It's just funny. I don't know. Because there was, like, bands, like, metal bands, like... Or like heavy metal bands, like the like the early ones, like Black Sabbath, they were like straight up. Like in the beginning of the song, they're like Satan is sitting there smiling, like you know, right, like just play my song forwards, <laughs> just play my song forward. Don't even play it backward. You'll hear the message. You know, it's so, so funny. I don't know. Yeah, I still kind of want you to just try and say a Satan yeah, can you do message, it so, but backwards. So like, like I, I mean, I would like if I say Satan backwards, you'll probably hear it. Let me see. Let me write it out so I can say it. Man, we're playing a lot of games on this episode. All right, so I'm going to say, no, Satan, you can't have my, you can't have my cereal. So backwards, that would be. <clears throat> so here's here's my request with this, is that what we have to do is we need to record um, two responses to it. So if if it's spot fucking on, we have to record and be like, "Wow, I didn't, I can't believe that worked." And then we have to. Rec- I'm gonna go ahead and predict <laughs> that it's not going to yeah, be spot I'm fucking to on as well. But so, <laughs> would I go?
Ne. No, dice. Senpai. Satan. That's the in Senpai notice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> John, like always, uh, actually, I don't know, like always, because I don't remember if we did this when you were on the podcast, but we might have done it very briefly um we're always gonna like we always like talking about uh what we've been listening to recently just to get you know suggestions out there in the ethos and you know kind of you know what we've been what we've been hanging with uh I- i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and just go first and it has nothing to do with the fact that i think both of you might be looking at what you've been listen- listening to recently <laughs> it's okay i did it during beta's segment i always do um so the last okay I, I i um came across an old playlist of mine of all music that i i've identified as summer music and it's all it's a pretty old place it's like two years old so it's got a bunch of stuff that I, I don't really listen to a ton anymore but uh that i like coming back to and one of the things that i landed on the other day was um robert delong who i haven't listened to in a really long time robert delong is like an electronica artist um who has kind of broached into the alternative rock world for some reason. I hear about him more in association with alternative rock than I do with electronic artists. He's really cool. He's a really fun performer. Um, I like his music, but I, he's not one of my favorite artists or anything, but anytime I get the chance to see him, I go see him. I've seen him twice now. That's more than some of my favorite bands that I've seen. Um, cause I don't go to a lot of concerts, but He's just really cool. He like plays like an electric harp in like, 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 or no, it's a laser harp, which is like this weird thing. He like plays his music on like GameCube controllers and Wii remotes and stuff. It's just, it's a really good show. It's really cool. And his music is also pretty cool. It's like very pop inspired, um, electronica. So I, I've been listening to, um, his EP, See You in the Future. And specifically what I wanted to highlight was the song, the first song on it, Revolutionary. Uh, I've been listening to the Chameleons. It's like this post-punk band. And I've, I'm surprised I've never heard of them before. I've actually heard of them through the BJM. And I've been listening to this song called uh, Perfume Garden. And I think it's pretty neat. All right, John, what have you been listening to? So I recently discovered the Dalai Lama's new album. (laughs) You sent this to us. 
and I did share it with uh, my fellow album of the week colleagues. But yeah, it's uh, actually pretty awesome. It's it's got like sort of prayers or just like talking in English by the Dalai Lama, but then some pretty cool like ambient music. Um, and yeah, each one sort of has a theme. Like, I'll just read through the tracks for a second. One of my favorite prayers, the Buddha, compassion, courage, healing, protection, children, humanity. So it's cool. It's like these sort of just general concepts that he talks about. His, you know, his English isn't like smooth or anything. So it's not like he's singing per se, but it's still very calming with like his his voice and the combination of ambient effects. You so, yeah. said his new album. Does he have other albums? I don't think so. Okay, cool. I was like, if the Dalai Lama has been making music for years and I didn't know about it, that's very upsetting. Cause he yeah. seems like a cool guy. Yeah. I guess it, it is his first and a new album. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, so I'll just throw in a little clip of, uh, the Buddha. Kang tuzi ni zone da hotel jo bolish. Kang shun den zo ga kotam da la cha cha lo. Om mune mune ma mune iso. 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 Om mune mune ma mune iso ha. It. I love that this is a thing in our world. This is what our world needs right now. It's just the Dalai Lama being kind and wholesome because he seems like a cool guy. Well, yeah, it's cool because he can't like be in person as much. So he's just like, oh, I'll reach out to people through music. That's great. This wraps up this week's episode of Out of Phase brought to you by PSPS. Once again, I am Beto. And I'm Drew. And we'd like to thank our guest, John, for being here again today. No problem. Glad to be here. No problem. You're going to have to listen to us do the whole show for another like 10 hours if you end up editing it anyway. I don't want to. All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs> nice. Beto, are you playing with a butterfly knife? Jesus, that's intimidating. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. <laughs> here. Mine's not a butterfly knife. That's but... my fiddling, my fiddling thing. That's very good. Is it a is it a practice knife? No. It's an actual butterfly knife. Jesus Christ. I've always <laughs> wanted to learn how to do one of those. Um this can totally get cut out, John. Because <laughs> it's all visual. Um